Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It is Friday, August 11th, 2023. I'm about to go on vacation. Man, do I need a vacation. Here's a headline story. Uh, Showing my distinguished guest to real newspaper. From um, Business section of the New York Times. Uh, and uh, I, have a, I have an embarrassing confession to make. Uh, till I read this story, I did not know, oh, my guest is going to laugh at me, uh, any of the na- <laughs> I didn't know who any of these companies were, with one exception. <clears throat> so here we go. Here's the headline. Tapestry. Uh, My guess is nodding her head. She's heard of it. The fashion company that owns Coach and Kate Spade, my guess is nodding her head. She's heard of them both, has acquired Capri Holdings. Never heard of that either. The parent of Versace, that's the first company that I've heard of, uh, and Michael Kors, a company I never heard of, for about (laughs) $8.5 billion dollars in cash. 8.5 billion dollars in cash. Combine the two groups which generate about 12 billion dollars in revenue, bringing brands like, here we go, here's going to be a whole bunch of brands, none of which I've heard of. Coach, Kate Spade, Stuart Weitzman, Versace, Jimmy Choo, and Michael Kors together. Huge trans eight point five billion in cash, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so I've read I read stories like this all the time in the business section, and most of the companies I read about, I've never heard of before. They'll be like in the app world, in the tech world, in the fashion world. 
it's just these are not worlds that I live in in any way. So I'm always completely, utterly, staggeringly ignorant of the companies themselves. But one thing I've learned over time, when one big company swallows up another big company and has to borrow a lot of money to do it, someone's going to lose their jobs. That's generally, it doesn't matter if it's tech, it doesn't matter if it's fashion, and sure enough, I'm reading this article and I'm like, come on, come on, let's get to the nut graph, and here it comes. On a call with investors on Thursday, analysts focused their questions on how the two companies would integrate and the timeline for the cost savings that would result. Executives emphasized that pooling resources would allow their brands to share digital and marketing abilities, transportation, and supply chains, a strategy that is often referred to as synergies, a strategy that's often referred to as firing people. People will be fired, ladies and gentlemen, so that, what's the name of the company? I got it. I already forgot. Tapestry gets to swallow, what's the name of the other company? Capri. And uh, make more money for the people on the top. People who get fired, guess what? They'll get unemployment compensation from the state. Your pro- public monies that dollars spent on it. All subsidizing uh, capitalism. All right, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest uh, to introduce yourself. And then after you're done introducing yourself, uh, confess. Did you or did you not know the names of the companies I read? Hi, I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm a columnist and a member of the editorial board at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I, the only companies I didn't know were the parent companies, Tapestry, I might have heard of, and Capri, but all the other names, uh, oh, totally. I mean, I think anybody who follows fashion knows those. I mean, you knew Versace, Jimmy Choo. Jimmy Choo is like known for shoes. Celebrity Celebrities wear those shoes. They're really popular. They go for like... They can go up to $3,000. Coach and Kate Spade. Um, uh, I, I have Coach and Kate Spade stuff, like their purses. I'm sure you remember Kate Spade is related to David Spade by marriage. A couple of years back, she died by suicide. So I'm sure you heard of her name at that point. Uh, and then I think you mentioned the, I forgot the other two, but I, I all the all the companies that these companies Stuart are Stuart Weitzman. Yeah, Stuart Weitzman. Um, they're mostly a shoe company. I have some of their shoes too, but those could, those could be on the cheaper end. And then some of them are very expensive, but, um, those are all companies that if you go to a department store, like maybe Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom and even Macy's might have some of them, but Versace is probably the most expensive one. Kate Spade and coach is more like, okay, someone middle-class can buy some of their stuff. Versace, I can only uh, afford the sunglasses. Something like that. Do you have do you have Versace sunglasses? Uh, I don't know, but I do have a lot of designer sunglasses. I don't think I have Versace sunglasses, but um, like Stella McCartney, like you know Paul McCartney's daughter, I have two of her purses. I always tell Mick because he's you know he's a vegetarian. Those are both vegan purses because you know her parents are famous vegetarians, and those are the most expensive. That's the most money I've ever spent on purses. The vegan purses more than my leather purses. I have like, so Stella McCartney, I can't afford her clothes, but I have her two of her purses where, which are very expensive. I'm sure if I told you the price, you'd be a little astonished. <laughs> and, uh, and then yeah. I do have a pair of her sunglasses. So I have like a lot of designers, like a lot of people who like designers, 
but we can't like, and, 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 you know, a lot of these companies know that there's a lot of people who aren't going to like shell like $5,000 for like a pair of pants or anything like that. So they'll have a lot, they, they make like lower lines that are available at target or they sell like sunglasses and things like that. And, um, you know, so people kind of buy a pair of their sunglasses or something like that if they like uh, them. There was that deal years ago. I wrote about it uh, because it was a very similar theme. I forget the name of the company. I've already put it out of my mind, but it's a high-end company. I think they have pillows, and they cut a deal with Target. And Target. Was I remember going to your. Stop. I remember your wife Pam knew all the companies, and you were scratching yeah. your head. Yeah, no, I remember that. I think it was Mosimo. I think no, I totally remember. I think I rem- no, it wasn't. I forgot what it was, but I remember we discussed that. <laughs> you were saying that you never heard of these companies. I never heard of the companies, and I heard of Target, yeah. but I never heard of the companies. Yeah, I would be shocked. I, I would be shocked if you knew any of those companies. Frankly, very few, uh, very few straight men do. So yeah, I, I um, I really am terrible with that. Just look at how I dress, and you could see that. Uh, although I now wear Hoka shoes and I've discovered they're kind of cool. Uh, they're, they're gaining stature. Uh, so I'm waiting for that Hoka to be bought out by some enormous conglomerate. But my larger point about capitalism, it's voracious. Uh, one company eat, gobbles up another company, uh, and they're going to make more money by firing people. We saw it happen in our industry, uh, down through the years, uh, where uh, newspapers, like companies would buy up a newspaper uh, and then would have borrowed so much money they couldn't make ends meet. So then they would start firing people to pay back their the debt. Uh, and I'm like, what, what was gained from this uh, other than wealthy people got wealthier and the middle class got screwed? Anyway, uh, enough on that lecture for today. Um, wow, so much for us to talk about. And, um, but I have to open with a concession. Uh, Romana was right and I was wrong. <laughs> so we had a conversation this mor- morning. Um, uh, I fir- heard about this thing called, uh, I think it's called the Montrose Jump. or uh, No, the Montrose Swim Club. And so it's a swim club that gathers at Montrose, uh, Montrose Harbor and Literally hundreds of people show up in the early morning, which sounds god-awful to me, uh, and they, uh, in unison, jump into the lake. Uh, <laughs> so my kids are in town, everybody's in town uh, visiting, uh, and they they all flock down to the lake, not all, but about five of them flock down to the lake, or four of them, uh, and um, they join the people jumping in. And when I told uh, Romana, uh, about it. She says, uh, oh, that's just a white people thing. Okay. That's just something like white people do. I go, come on, Romana, like the other people that would jump in the lake besides white people. And she goes, no, it's just a white people thing. So I checked in with all the kids. I go, oh yeah, dad, she's right. It was just, it was just a bunch of white <laughs> And you know, a few, uh, black person here or there i'm like well ramana you were right one more time people oh, people i'm not away. saying that people of color don't like going into the lake or swimming but i'm saying going into a group as, as like as like making it a thing that is a very white thing and, and i told you you were trying to argue with me saying that other people do this i'm like no i i, I did I, argue so, with you <laughs> so that's why i think it's funny i mean um, 
Yeah. I mean, we'll look at the polar plunge and the polar plunge is actually for a good cause. I mean, who does that? I mean, I just give the, I'm just saying as an Indian person, I just give money for that. If someone asked me if I want to do the polar plunge, it's like, number one, I'm not a morning person. I'm not going to get up at 6am to jump in the lake in the middle of the winter. And (laughs) just like number two, I just don't want to do it. You know? So it's like, so I just said as a group of people, like 200 people, like all jumping to the lake at once, it just sounds like something a certain group of people I, I would do. Pictures. I, Ramana, it's more than 200 people. I mean, 2, there are so many people. It's hard for me to say, but it's just like it's people lined up for as f- far as you can see, all lined. And there's, there's so many people, like they have to do the jump in shifts. So like there's the first line of people that go in and then there's the second line. And then like you're all in the water together. <laughs> Then it takes forever to climb up the ladders. You know, there's not enough ladders. I'm like, it sounds insane. Was it was it for this? charity or just because they just wanted to do it for fun? No, it's just like a thing. And it started off, I've actually read about it subsequently. It started off with like a relatively handful of people. It caught on, you know, internet said this, that, the other. By the way, if it were black kids in the loop, that Channel 9 News would be going, very dangerous going on in the loop. <laughs> The loop has fallen. <laughs> well, if they uh, all jumped into the lake, that would cause a, a big deal, too. Trust me. If they were a different group, of, if they looked differently. Anyway, you were but, right. But no, I know. I knew I was right. And that's why And <laughs> I'm glad you went and took a survey before accusing me of making things up. Uh, yeah, you were right. I must concede when you're right. I'm wrong. All right. Uh, let's talk a Barbie. Been waiting for you to see it for a while. Um, and not so much interested in having a conversation about the movie itself. We're going to do like, we're going to talk Barbie and we're going to talk bear, uh, and uh, Oppenheimer maybe, but, uh, I'm not that interested that much in, uh, the analysis of Barbie. What I don't understand, I'm going to need your help with is why is it that so many men are so mad about Barbie and not like mad as in, oh, they've fallen in love with Barbie, mad as in angry and outraged. Uh, Bill Maher, for instance, uh, lost his mind. You sent me the essay he wrote, uh, which was a tirade against uh, Barbie. Uh, and then in the essay, I don't know if you noticed this part, uh, Romana, like he's covering up like to show, well, it's not just me. I went with a woman in her thirties and she agreed with me. <laughs> poor woman in her 30s. Well, well, I was going to say, like, him bringing that out, he just wants to show, like, because he's old, right? Older. So he just wants to show, like, how, what a, like, catch he is. You know what I mean? That's what I, I think that, for me, that's what popped out. Like, oh, look at me. I'm, like, 60-something. And I'm watching this movie with a woman in her 30s. But, yeah, go ahead. You can keep... Uh, so yeah, well, uh, I, so I read the essay that, uh, he wrote, or I don't know if it was an essay. I don't know what it was, but it was a rant. Uh, and nothing against rants. I go on them all the time. Uh, but this was a rant that I thought was really dumb. I, I do not understand why men are so challenged. Obviously, Bill Maher was threatened by, uh, Barbie. There was something about Barbie, uh, that, irritated him and he got angry and then he lashed out uh and mocked absolutely everyone that had anything to do with barbie and then went on to this like bizarre little um uh side attack where he talked about how the reality the mattel board of directors uh is a diverse group there's like half i don't know 
as many men as women, or many women as men, but in the movie, uh, it's a cohort of men. And how dare they? It's inaccurate. I'm like, you're, <laughs> it's called Barbie. It's a made up movie about a doll. And you're way, it's not historical accuracy. It's not like Oppenheimer. I, I was going to say, the girl. movie is oh. about Barbies coming to real life. How, I mean, and going into alternate, you know, living in an alternate universe. So the point is, like, he didn't, um, I mean, we can, you can go on with what you're saying, but I mean, the point is, it's like there are some things that are exaggerated. And it's like, so you can't suspend. There are companies that are just all male or mostly male, and they're dealing with, you know, products that, you know, are targeted towards women. So I don't, it's like, you don't even get the joke, you know, it's like, you can't even take it. Like it's, it's Bar the whole movie of Barbie is trying to prove a certain point. And for him to sit there and go into like this research where he's like looking up the, you know, the makeup of the board members of Mattel, it just shows you how petty and insecure someone like him is. So what, what is it? What has triggered uh, such a hostility about this movie that is like, I don't know, it kind of reminded me of a John Waters flick. Uh, I'm a big fan of John Waters and just and just the colors and the the, uh, the campiness of it. Everybody's, it's really a campy movie uh, and sort of winking at itself. It's a lot of fun to watch. And I, I, I like the dance scenes too. So I don't understand why. Why would it provoke, in your humble opinion, such outrage uh, from these men? I don't know. I, I guess they, I mean, there's a lot of people, first of all, who watched it, including men. So it's not obviously all men. But I don't even think, I mean, I don't even think the movie was that, like, scathing towards men. I was going to say, if you wanted to be scathing, it could be a lot worse. You know what I mean? I'm like... You're a Ken doll. You should be happy. You're being portrayed as a Ken doll, okay? And it's like <laughs> you dress. I was gonna say most men don't dress that good. You know what I mean? They don't care about style. I'm like, don't complain. And a lot of the things were just kind of like, okay, you do all mansplain. I mean, you can pretend you don't, but you do. You think you're smarter than everyone else. I mean, there's so many other things that men do that are worse. I'm like, that was like the worst. <laughs> you could, you know, that was the worst. I think like offense that they were showing, like. That, you know, they kind of want to tell everybody how to do things. They want to explain things to women and, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I thought that was like the most scathing of the movie. I don't know. I think it's like this word of mouth thing where a lot of these men who have like issues with it. And when they hear that it's like, quote unquote, man hating. And I don't even think it's man hating because at the end of the day in the movie, Barbie is the one who's apologizing to Ken and that was the whole thing I was watching I'm like why is she apologizing to him I don't hear Ken apologizing but then like sorry I'm gonna give away spoilers because of the way the film is I guess because you know who she's becoming or is you know is choosing a certain path I guess it shows you that she's you know in touch with real life now where the woman's always doing the apologizing so because Ken Ken never apologized for anything in the movie so I know somebody was pointing that out I was listening to um someone talk about it. So I don't even think it was that bad. It was like mostly like kind of like a tongue in cheek exaggeration. You know, it was kind of like a fun movie. It, I didn't even think I didn't even take it seriously. Like it made some points, but I mean, there's so many more harsher points you can take if you wanted to talk about critiquing 
you know, a certain segment of the male population. So I don't know why. And I, and I don't know why Bill Maher went on that rant. I, I don't know if you know who Mark Ronson is. He's a, a DJ a musician and he, uh, he did the music for Barbie and he kind of did a like pushback to Bill Maher. Like the fact that he, and he was like making fun of Bill Maher for spending so much time on doing the whole research of the Mattel board and Mattel actually, so I watched this documentary called Tiny Shoulders, um, Reimagining Barbie. And it talks about how in 2016, they had this whole, um, they had, they put out these new dolls with different body shapes that were different from what Barbie usually was. And they actually changed the features of Barbie for the first time, like when they were different races. Because when I grew up, there were there were very few um, Barbies of color, um, and then when they did come out with the Indian Barbie or a black Barbie, it just looked like white Barbie with a tan or a little darker. So um, I, the whole movie is about that, and there were a lot of women who work at Mattel and were kind of part of this reconfiguration thing. But it's like in the movie, I knew. I, I mean, they didn't have that many CEOs at Mattel that were women. I think there's only one. And so it's like the whole point of the movie is making a point because there are, you know, there's like panel discussions where men, you know, even in this country where it's like all a bunch of men and they're talking about women issues. And, you know, I've seen that with people of color, you know, um, you know, there'll be like a, a, a panel of, of people and none of them are people of color and they're talking about black issues or something like that. And so, I think the whole point was she was trying to, you know, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach were trying to make a point about it. And so for him to get so petty was just like so odd. And for him to like sit there and be like, well, the woman, the 30 year old woman I was with doesn't say that women talk like this or men don't talk like that. I'm like, yeah, well, men don't talk like Ken dolls either. So you know what I mean? It's just like, it was just, it was just bizarre. So when I saw it, I saw like, people making fun of Bill Maher about it. And uh, so I thought I'd send it to you since we're going to discuss the movie and and the pushback to it, which I don't actually think, I think a lot of people are watching it and it does resonate with a lot of women because I think a lot of things they do hit upon in the movie um, do kind of point out about how, you know, our, you know, the, our country is because, you know, growing up, as someone who's a woman of color and someone from the from the uh, Muslim community, I'd always hear like people telling us how like, oh, America is like equality for women. I mean, look what's happened with the Supreme Court. And, you know, they'd always tell me how like, oh, you should be so glad you're living in the United States. And I'm not equating, you know, the United States with other countries. But I think a lot of Americans who don't come from other cultures, they think that, oh, this country is so like liberated in terms of, you know, females. And it's not true. And, and I think um, a lot of the things with this movie, they're kind of pointing out at the, you know, the little things, the little things that women have to deal with on a daily basis and always have to deal with. And men don't really think about them because they don't have to worry about it. No, just wearing those shoes, the oh. Barbie shoes. Yeah, I admit. That yeah. Great yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I, I was going to tell you, Ben, I had a lot of Barbies, which is really ironic because I was a total tomboy and my older sister was a tomboy, but my mom, we liked Barbies for some reason. And none of the Barbies I had had jobs. They were just like model Barbies. And then I had, I had the shoot off, uh, the offshoots too. I had the fake Barbies too. I had, before I had a Barbie, I had a, I had a, like a generic doll that looked like a Barbie. And I totally, she, I made her look like weird Barbie. I gave her a haircut. Like I thought I could give her a nice haircut, but she looked crazy by the end. And then my uncle made it worse by painting well he drew a mustache and beard on her and 
it was my favorite doll and I started crying and my mom's like, what did you do? And he's like, oh, come off. And it never came off. So I had a Barbie with a mustache and beard and a haircut. And, um, but I, I had, I had many of those Barbies and for the longest time, um, I kept them and they were fine. And my younger sister came and then she kind of destroyed a lot of them. But I mean, they were like a big part of growing up, I think, for a lot of girls. And I think it started in the 70s where there was a pushback. But I was told that total age where you you played with Barbies. And but I, I, I do have friends who wouldn't let their daughters play with Barbie and Barbies. And they're saying, you know, they, you know, because of all the reasons they mentioned in the movie. But what's interesting is when you grew up in the 70s and 80s, it wasn't just Barbie that was pushing this, you know, certain view of womanhood it was like everything in pop culture i mean there's no women that looked indian or there's barely any women who are black on tv i mean i grew up with charlie's angels bionic woman they're all blonde women and that's i wanted i never wanted to be white but the one time one time i remember being in kindergarten and i remember telling my parents i wish i had blonde hair and <laughs> my parents were like my dad's like, why? Why would you want blonde hair? I'm like, I just want blonde hair because I just thought that I wanted blonde hair and freckles. So I guess I did want to be white. <laughs> and, you know, now I realize, like, you know, somebody was telling me it was probably because, you know, it's the images that we see. So I don't even think it was just Barbies. So whenever whenever people tell me they don't want to get Barbies for their kids, I'm like, I grew up and my mom always told me, you know, I, I grew up in a society where girls who look like me weren't valued at all, whether it came to like looks or anything else. So I'm like, I never was part of that world. So I think it's really, I mean, it was, we're being, we're being fed in different ways and it wasn't just Barbie. And so I think it depends on like how you were raised. And I was raised to be pretty confident, but that was, that was the messaging we got in general and still the message that a lot of people get. Like, I always laugh when I hear, like younger women and young men, especially of color. And they were born in like 1995. And they're like, yeah, growing up, we had like, we didn't see anybody that looked like, like us on TV. And I'm like, try being born in the late sixties and seventies. We had like nobody that looked like us. Nobody. I mean, if we were, if we watched any shows that included people of color, we tried to, we watched all the shows that it had like a black cast because we felt like, okay, there's, and, and now I realize it was kind of our way of like, okay, we don't see people of color on TV. This is, it's not, they might not be Indian, but they're close enough. And so I don't think it's just Barbie. I think it's like the general culture. So whenever people criticize Barbie, I'm like, it's not just Barbie. It's the entire culture. Look, look at why MAGA exists. It's because of a certain type of messaging that's out there and then has been out there for most of our lives. Um, yeah, I, uh, that was a great riff, uh, Urbana. I, I, uh, I, I had like, I never went for Barbies in any way. And, uh, so I first came, I had to deal with them cause my kids are, uh, girls and they love Barbies. And so I, <laughs> oh my God. I, <laughs> Did you have to, I, well, see, my dad never played with them. So I always think it's uh, funny whenever someone says that they had to play Barbies with their doll. I never made my parents play Barbie. So I think that's funny that you had to, but you know, the, you know, the original, so Barbie came from an idea of a doll that was sold for men in Germany. They were like gag gifts. And that's how the woman who created Barbie came up with the idea. So it's, and I'm like, and, and so they mentioned that in the documentary and I'm like, why would any man want a doll like that? But that's what they were saying in the documentary. They're like, we had no idea what men did with this, but this is where 
the uh, creator of Barbie got the idea because it was a gag gift for men in like Germany or something like that. It would be sold at tobacco shops. But anyway, I don't expect you to be a Barbie fan, Ben. I don't No, I was that. not a Barbie fan at all. In fact, I, I didn't get a lot of the movie. It went over my head because I didn't have... So my wife, after the movie, explained a lot of what was happening, like the... You probably didn't know about uh, Skipper, right? Like I was telling, yeah, I was yeah, telling Mick about right. Skipper. I was like, and the funny thing is, like you probably, like you know, obviously to show that Ken doesn't matter, or like it's like no, none of my friends had Ken dolls. We just felt like it was useless. We're like, why do you want to have a doll that looks like a man and you can't put any like good clothes on him? He just said comes with shorts or something like that. Nobody wanted a Ken doll. So which, wait, so who is Michael Cera's character? He was uh, Alan. So Alan. I actually, so Alan was a short-lived. Uh, doll that was supposed to be like Ken, but it was discontinued really quick. I don't remember Alan. So I think they, maybe they thought they could bring Ken more friends, but Ken was never really that popular in general. Um, so I don't know, maybe it was a marketing ploy to get, you know, more girls to get the, the boy, boy dolls. But none of us, I just remember none of my friends had Ken dolls. Maybe one did, but we just thought he was boring and we're like he his outfits are boring and we don't so i mean they, he might have gotten better outfits as um i got older and i was too old to play with barbie dolls but yeah you probably didn't get a lot of the jokes like like the, my head. the some of the subtle jokes like about the different types of barbies and stuff and even some of them for me like i was too old to remember when they brought all these other kind of barbies like i never remember the journalist barbie like um I don't remember that the president Barbie never happened. And then, and then they started having, you know, Barbie, um, you know, in a wheelchair. Uh, so she was like, you know, with somebody with like special needs. So they started making all these different types of Barbies. And then there was a Barbie that came out, which I forgot about. It raised a lot of controversy. It was like, she was talking Barbie and she said something like math is hard. And I remember there was a lot of pushback when that one came out. I was, this is what I saw when, when the documentary came out. So yeah, I, I, I thought the movie brought a lot of things. And what interestingly enough, do you remember that song Barbie girl by any chance? No. So there was this really catchy techno song by this Norwegian Swedish band that came out and it was kind of like this poking fun at Barbie and just look it up when you're done. And the band is called Aqua. It was really popular in 1997. Uh, Mick doesn't remember it for some reason, but it was like everywhere. And it was really popular. And Mattel sued them because it, they're kind of like it, they're kind of like poking fun at Barbie. But you know, it, it was it's, it was it's a good song. I thought it was a good song. And so Mattel sued them. And so people are just saying that it's interesting that Mattel sued that band. But on the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, they know that this movie is this movie that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach made is going to make money. So they're OK. They're OK with the making fun of Barbie in something that they're, they're going to make a movie. So the lead, the lead singer of Aqua recently made some sort of comment about how she was kind of. You know, she's like disappointed that they didn't even use the song in the movie because Mattel was like so aghast at the time. But look it up when you're done. It's called the band is uh, called will, Aqua. Yeah. Well, this uh, a parallel to Air. To me, uh, aside from the campiness of it, the great colors, the dancing, all that, uh, it was a promotion for Mattel. Oh, for sure. And just the way the movie Air was a promotion for Nike, uh, which is so bizarre that. Bill Maher fixate on the inaccuracy 
of the uh, board as though that somehow or other castigates Mattel, which is making a fortune, I'm sure. Oh, for uh, sure. Off of this movie. And uh, so they don't need Bill Maher coming to their defense. <laughs> I know they know that this movie is going to make money. And even though it's like poke, you know, there's parts of it where we're poking fun of it, but at the end of the day, and and, and I've heard people talk about it. They're like, you know, the movie's poking fun at Mattel, but at the same time, it's kind of promoting it, promoting this. Like, no, that's what I'm saying. Like they're promoting the capitalism and the Barbies. And I'm sure the numbers of uh, Barbie dolls are going to like go up the roof. They're having all these Barbie pop-up shops. They're having all these, you know, people are wearing pink. I mean, I, I don't know that if it helps Mattel, but it's this whole visibility. And the funny thing is like when people were like ripping on Barbie, I'd always tell people, I'm like, I always, I always had a Barbie doll. I like my Barbie dolls. And, and people would be like so judgy about it. And now that it's like trendy to like Barbie, people are like, people are throwing out that all, all out the door. And I'm like, all the people that I know that were like, and some some of that's kind of hypocritical because I was like, okay, I've always like considered myself a feminist and I know why Barbie was considered bad. But I was like, it's not just Barbie that's the problem. It's a bigger problem. So, And some people would, would be like, I don't want my daughters playing with the Barbie doll. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I think it depends on like, you know, if this is what you're pushing on them, sure. But you don't have to like, it, do- it doesn't become a lifestyle. Like I wasn't thinking about my Barbies like, after I played with them for a couple of years. And I was going to say, like I said, it's like the way this country's set up is problematic. And if you want to just blame a doll, I mean, I think it's a bigger, it's a bigger story. So yeah, I, I did, I did overall enjoy the movie. I'm recommending it to everyone. Um, I think it's fun. I think it's a fun movie to watch with girls. I wanted to take my twin nieces. I think they'll like it. I think, you know, they're 11. I think it's I think it's appropriate enough for them. And I don't even think they play with Barbies, but I, they would get like some of the jokes. And I think they'd laugh at some of the stuff. So everything in our country is politically divided these days. And I tend to uh, focus and I'm fixated on the political divide. I talk about it all the time. I read about it all the time. I write about it all the time. I, Ben, this is, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for Romana, who very much wants very much wants the MAGA political movement to go away uh, and for Donald Trump never to be elected to anything ever again. Uh, and I'm very frightened by what MAGA represents. Take solace from the Barbie movie, despite the fact that Bill Maher's in a weird fetal position over it. Uh, and because in a general sort of way, I think it's championing values that people who would vote against Trump would want. And the fact that so many people went to see this movie gives me hope that the forces of MAGA, the forces that are, what they're doing in Florida is so criminal in terms to history, in terms to how they present like Frederick Douglass, Christopher Columbus. I mean, it's so bizarre to us that we talked, I talked about it in a previous conversation with Rosanna Rodriguez, urge everyone to check that interview out. Uh, I just view Barbie as taking, like representing a stand against that. So I take hope. It's huge in China. It's huge in Japan. 
Ramana, it's like a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah, you know what? (laughs) You know what? It's really funny because it's not huge in India because people in India thought it was going to be a kids movie. And so, and and then I I was listening to this podcast on NPR. It's called Pop Culture Happy Hour. And there's actually a guest on there when she was talking about Barbie. She is from India. Like she was born and raised there. And she was explaining that the reason why Barbie is really not that popular in India is not because, you know, people are necessarily, you know, don't want to see girl power. She was explaining that Barbie in India, and this is true, um, it's it's a doll that only people who are rich buy and recognize. It's not like something that people in the rural area are going to know what it is. So she's like, she was explaining why it's not necessarily popular. But there is Barbie in India. I bought an Indian Barbie. Barbie for my niece. But yeah, we got it at the airport. I mean, we and it was like totally overpriced and things like that. So yeah, it, it's it's popular everywhere. I think in China, they said that women were using it a test as a test for their boyfriends. Like if they didn't want to go to see Barbie with them, they're, they, they dump them <laughs> or something like that. So um, and, and that's that's the one thing I don't get. Like, you know, it's like men saying how like they don't want to watch Barbie. I'm like, do you know how many bro and men centric movies I have to watch or have watched? I mean, where there's just men in the movie and that's it. And like women don't say anything. They just play the girlfriend or the wife who just sitting there like doing nothing. And, you know, it's like, there's so many things like I may write about this actually. It's like, there's movies and Ben, we talked about this where the wife is like 30 years older than the husband, like the actors, like, hundred years old and the actress playing his girlfriend is like 20 or something. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but I'm just saying there's so many things in movies that women notice. And it's like, this is what the Barbie is the hill you're going to die on and protest. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And I, I actually think the fact that there's that, you know, it hit $1 billion, like the movie in within like two weeks, I think it's a pretty good sign too, that people have a sense of humor and, you know, and and I thought the movie in general was just funny. You know, I didn't even think it was like this serious like take on feminism. I thought it just brought up some good points, and you know, no, it's a just, lot it's of funny like, parts. Yeah, and and, and 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 I think girls like women, and one of the things like women like as a woman who likes fashion, it's just kind of like yeah. I mean, just because you like fashion and like Barbie doesn't mean that you don't think these things. And so I thought it overall, I mean, do I think it was a perfect movie? No, but I thought the leads were really good. I thought everybody was really funny. And um, I, I just thought it was, I thought it was a good movie and I, I would recommend and, it and, to anybody. And, and for men, it's also kind of a Will Ferrell movie, guys. Yeah. I mean, Will Ferrell, <laughs> Will Ferrell was, was in it. See, Will Ferrell stuff. He's CEO funny, of Mattel, right? And yeah. yes. So. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you, and you have all these actors, like the, the one actor, he played Obama, I think in that one, he's played Obama and some other people. He played Malcolm X in that movie, One Night in Miami. He oh, played, yeah. he played mm-hmm. one of the Kens. And so these are like actors who like, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. all, you know, respectable. Ryan Gosling is a great actor and he, you know, he did a great job, I thought, playing Ken. And, you know, it's like, these guys are all masculine and they were able to do it. So, you know if they're secure in their masculinity, clearly men like Bill, Bill Maher and all these others are very insecure <laughs> about their masculinity. If they're going to have a movie about a doll, <laughs> really get them, get their like boxers in a twist. Then it's like, it's well, saying I, something uh, about them. Uh, I, I can't say for certain what's going on in Bill Maher's 
I can't say at all what's going on. I've never met the man. I just watched him from afar. I think he's really losing his mind. Uh, but Ben Shapiro railing and ranting against it. I do believe he picks up on the same political vibe that I am, which is is that essentially that Barbie is emanating a political vibe, if you will, uh, that's much more in line, to just put it mildly, where the Democrats than with MAGA. Uh, and I do believe it's a sign that a significant number of people, uh, I'm just going to reserve it to this country, in this country, really want to break from MAGA. And I, that's, you know, the political end, I think Ben Shapiro's picking up on that. And so he's hating on the movie and trying to get MAGA to turn against it. And I think I'm picking up on it as well. And I'm like, oh, yeah, America, this is a good sign. Donald Trump will lose in 2024. And that'll be healthy for us, Bill, Ben Shapiro. Anyway, that's my political take on it. Um, I, uh, moving on, uh, from Barbie, I want to get to, uh, the bear. And so I'm going to admit right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do, uh, some revelations. We're going to reveal some things about that happened in the bear. Uh, and so, um, I don't know, guys, you probably have already, if you're going to see it, you've already seen it. So don't sweat it. Uh, well, <laughs> so the bear is, it's, it's in its second year. It's a show about a restaurant, uh, in Chicago. So, um, you know, everybody in Chicago is just losing their mind or whenever you see Chicago in a movie, Chicago, it's just freak out. I'm like, Oh my God, uh, I'm, I am valuable. I am a Chicagoan. Uh, I think it's a great, uh, show and it's really well written. Uh, and, uh, I got to give a shout out to, uh, my dear friend and Romano's husband, Mick Dumkey, because the ideas are about to apart uh, to a certain degree came from Mick, uh, when we were having a long conversation, but I, uh, the Mick Dumkey view is that, uh, this country is finally coming to terms with its mental health issues. Uh, and that is reflected not just in political movements like the one here in Chicago, uh, Rosanna Rodriguez trying to force the city to reopen the mental health clinics. Uh, but um, it's also being presented in uh, culture and uh, in TV shows, and one of which is The Bear, uh, where the main characters are all stricken by trauma brought on by their insane family. Uh, and there is an episode, episode six, The Christmas Dinner, uh, which I think is one of the greatest TV episodes I've ever seen in terms of depicting the madness of a family and, and how a family can cripple each other. Uh, and it was really painful for a lot of people uh, to sit through it. But at the same time, you have to give it credit as great art. Um, so I believe that the bear is speaking to something greater than just a show about Chicago with the loop in the background and, oh my God, the Wrigley building. Uh, I think that um, we're coming to terms with stuff in America. How far we go with that, Ramana, I do not know. But I think it's healthy that we're coming to terms with the notion that we may have been traumatized and we need help. And it's not the end of the world if you go to a therapist, if you go uh, to a clinician or what have you, a social worker to get help. So that's my take uh, on the bear. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to point out that um, when you're from Chicago, do you do like movies and TV shows that are in Chicago. Not all of them, but when you do watch them, you're very critical of how they're using certain settings. I, I just remember whenever I saw a movie with Chicago and it's not like accurate, I get so annoyed. Do you remember that movie, My Best Friend's Wedding? It came out in the 90s. Like, oh, yeah. it was just like really weird. Like, so at one point, um, like Julia Roberts is leaving like, you know, 
a New York airport. And then all of a sudden she's like driving on Mannheim road. So clearly she never (laughs) left Chicago. And so, and then there was this one part where Cameron Diaz's character, she's like starts off on the Kennedy or, and then she ends up on Lakeshore drive. And it was just like, it was like supposed to be the same road. Those kind of things make me mad. So one thing I do like about the bear is that they, I think for and for the most part, they're pretty accurate about when they show things or when they show things, they, they make it, they make Chicago look really cool. And right at this point, we have all these Chicago haters. So it's like, I, I, I kind of get a sense of pride in it. And I have to tell you one time we were watching one episode when the, some of the characters are going to Wilmette and I saw Northwestern really quick. So I go to Mick who went to Northwestern. I did too for grad school, but I'm not that much of a, I'm not, like that true to my school like Mick is but I remember I'm like wait I think they just showed Northwestern so we we rewind it so right before they showed Northwestern they actually showed this curve on Sheridan Road by our house where I run so it was it was like it was like this really quick segment and it was like something that I totally recognize and so I I kind of I I have to admit I'm one of those people I was born in Chicago raised in the northern suburbs I, I, I love that I love the way they film Chicago to me that's like the best. I think they do a good job, like just capturing certain things about Chicago. I think that all the actors are great. I was going to say, um, Mick isn't really that great with pop culture references, but um, I'm sure he he recognized Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously. But did you recognize the other actors? Like you probably recognize he recognized Bob Odenkirk too, but you probably recognize Sarah Paulson and John oh, Mulaney. Yeah. You talk about from the, uh, the, Christmas, the Christmas dinner. dinner. Yeah. So I was, oh, yeah. I was, they were all famous people. Even the guy who plays the brother, the dead brother. Um, I mean, he, he's been in a couple things that Mick have seen, but I've seen, um, um, why am I forgetting his name? But I've been that guy's fan for a long time. He's like a great actor. He got famous from being in the walking dead. He plays this character called, uh, Shane. So I still call him Shane. I'm like, Oh yeah. I remember I was telling my younger sister, I'm like, Wait until you see who the brother is who plays the dead brother. And he's he's a famous he's like um he's a pretty famous actor too. So he was like, I remember everybody's like, Oh yeah, he's in it. So so um I don't know. I I, I do think that the movie is touching on mental health because clearly in the movie, I mean in the show, Jamie Lee Curtis is an alcoholic. She plays the alcoholic mother. Um the older brother um who you know dies, he takes his own life. Um, he was clearly, um, he's struggling with substance abuse issues. And then you have the main character, um, the chef, um, Carmi, who is clearly struggling with issues of his own. And some of it is probably from generational trauma with, you know, living with a mother who's like struggling too. And, um, you know, and then you have all the other characters who are dealing with different things, too, like that real life things. You have that pastry chef who's dealing with his mother, who is, you know, struggling with her health. And then you have the one young chef who, you know, wants to be a star and, you know, she, you know, her she lost her mom at a young age. And so you have a lot of these characters who are dealing with their own issues. And then you have that one guy, the wisecracking friend who, uh is a little more deep than, you know, you think he is. You think he's like these, one of these old school, you know, you know, people like working class Chicago guys, but you know, he, he, he has like issues of his own. He went going through a divorce. He has a daughter and they kind of do flashbacks upon him too. And so, yeah, I think the movie, I mean, the show isn't just about a restaurant. Obviously I think people know that. I, I think it, um, 
touches upon um, a lot of issues that I think our country is coming to terms with. Um, I, I always say whenever I leave the United States and I go somewhere else and I feel like, I mean, I, I, I went, I went to countries that were totally have their own issues, but uh, they're less populated than the United States. I just went to Sweden, Norway and Switzerland. I know those are very like, they're very homogenous countries, but they're starting to get immigrants too. And I just feel like the way some of these countries you go to, it's like people are just a lot more calm and, you know, they have mental health issues too. But I feel like um, the inequities in this country and just the way our culture is kind of is shaped around work and being valued at work, I think it's just made a lot of people angry and bitter and everybody's always on edge all the time. And, uh, one of the things also that uh, they talk about uh, is that, um, you know, I, I've always you know read about it, and the Surgeon General of the United States has recently pointed out, too, um, is how most Americans are very lonely. Like, I think there's like something like one in four Americans don't say that reported that they don't have a close friend. And they said this is a particular problem with men and a lot of younger people. A lot of people would think that if you're younger you're going to be more social and just kind of hang out more. But a lot of people, I don't know if it's with, because of social media or the way our country's uh, emphasis on individualism uh, has kind of shaped this culture that we have where people just kind of keep to themselves. And I don't know, I don't know if you want to call it antisocial, but they're just kind of like have this, have this tendency to not reach out to people or have like, you know, this community sense of community, which I think a lot of other cultures have. I mean, I come from a culture where, you know, there's obviously issues with, you know, the communal culture too, or the a, a culture where the community is always involved in all your business. But I think there's a happy medium. And I think, I think just America is just so focused on individuality and, and work and all this stuff. And I think that kind of creates some of this problem that we're having with mental health issues, including having no friends, I think. Yeah. I, well, just think about what I began the, the show with, uh, talking about, uh, this, this giant conglomerate, uh, in the fashion industry, swallowing up another conglomerate and then, uh, proudly proclaiming, uh, that this is a great triumph for, uh, the brand and they're just going to, uh, make even more money, uh, than they made before and uh, reinvent the whole industry. And it really means that a lot of people will lose their jobs. And so let's say your job is connected to what you've done, the, the, the product line that you've put out. And now you're just getting thrown out. And I, that happens all the time in our country. And uh, yeah, I, I think that the capitalist, capitalism is, is <laughs> to put it mildly, is very destructive. It divides the world into winners and losers, and the losers get crushed. Uh, and we're, you know, the irony of it is like the bear, uh, which is this movie that raises all these issues, uh, is right now on hiatus. They can't, they, they, they won't be able to do, start a third season because there's a strike, uh, in, in Hollywood, the writers and the actors are on strike and their future of those writers and the actors, uh, are at stake in this strike and the ability to fire them faster. You know what I'm saying, Ramana? Replace them, make them work for less. Uh, that's what the capitalists who run the Hollywood want. 
And that's what the, the writers are resisting. So here we have this show that's that's all about taking care of our own and try, taking care of ourselves. And <laughs> it's part of an industry that's like destroying people. Uh, so your points about taken. Go. Yeah, and for sure. And there was actually one, I was reading that one of the writers on The Bear who won some awards, like he had problems like paying off his rent. And so that just shows you the inequity right there. And, well, I know we're talking a little bit about Barbie and um, Oppenheimer's another movie that's doing really well. None of those actors are have gone on and promote this to promote their films, I think. in, in I don't think they've talked to reporters. I, I know there was like a lot of interviews before the movies came out. I was listening to. So, I mean, it, it just tells you that these movies are doing pretty well, even without this, you know, the dog and pony shows that usually happen with a lot of these films. So. Kudos to them. But yeah, no, I think what you're touching upon is right. And we get a lot of things right in this country, but we also do get a lot of things wrong in this country where we're so wrapped into this work culture. And, you know, you look at countries around the world and to give so much more vacation time. And, and in America, it's like most companies are like, okay, two weeks after you work there for a year. Um, they don't, you know, I think now more companies, my young, my niece was telling me that now companies give unlimited vacation. The Sun-Times has not done that yet or WBZ. So just giving them, you know, kind of some advice. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was like, oh, I take vacation all the time then. But um, I think I think one of the things that we do is like we work too hard. You know, there's people who like work so hard and then it's like as soon as they retire, they drop dead, you know, and it's like, it's because they spent so much energy, time and energy on work. And we actually had a, um, a seminar um, for the news, newsroom leaders. And we're kind of talking about that. And, you know, I think people are talking a little bit about work-life balance a little more. And one of, one of a longtime veteran at the paper was saying there used to be a time where people wore it, wore it as a badge of honor if they missed their kids, like, you know, soccer tournaments or their kids' plays, and instead put the paper to bed. And that's really not valued anymore. You know what I mean? And it's just it's, it's just kind of like, I, I think that we need to change the way we look at things. And I don't know, that's one of the things that I, I I'm kind of just personally built this way, but I kind of like, I like my work, but I don't really care about it once my, the weekend rolls around. And I always tell, I told my boss the other day, I'm like, I don't make enough money to worry about my work that much. I mean, I care about it. I give a hundred percent when I'm there, but I'm not going to give a hundred percent at this point in my life. I mean, 110%, I should say. And I don't want to like kill myself for, for my job. You know, it's like, it's, it's important, but it's not everything. And I, I, I just think there's more important things in life. Like I do think French, like to me, my family and friends are more important to me than anything. And so I think for a lot of people, and that's when I talk to you about the loneliness thing, I think a lot of people just have don't have relation tight relationships with their family members, um, and I for me that's like really a foreign concept because I see my mom all the time and um, Mick's going to see Springsteen today and I'm gonna go I'm like I told mom I'm like I'll come over for a bit because every because some everybody in the household is gonna be out busy doing something and so I I don't know it's something that 
I kind of think is important. I think your family and friends are important. I think it's important to have friends that you can go out and hang out with and just make plans with last minute. And, and, and when you hear about those studies, like the Surgeon General was talking about how this is a crisis. The fact that people don't have friends and are lonely, it's a crisis in our country. And people might laugh about it, but it, it's, it's a big deal if you don't have friends. Like it can ca- they said it can, ca- it can really affect your health. And it's not just your mental health, it's your physical health. And so I, I do think I do think a lot of shows are touching upon these issues. And so I, I think a lot of people are just aware of these things. And and it's good. And I, I and I think the bear like does a lot of things, you know, I didn't I, I was going to tell you, I didn't get the end where he was in the freezer. I mean, you could have just called the fire department and they could have broke oh, it. That was ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's just like, OK. And then, you know, him going on a rant. I was just like, OK. And then, you know, the girlfriend, speaking of female characters, remember, she's like, you don't ever have to apologize. And I'm like, why not? I'm sure he's going to do yeah. something that he's going to have to apologize sure for. Enough. And then he does it. Right. And then <laughs> the bus, like, she walks out on him. I mean, that. OK. So. uh this is giving away a lot, but I'm just saying, uh, I do believe her response, uh, brings to life everything. We've had this conversation past about the dippy spouse who, uh, always, it, it could be the either way. Uh, and, and she said the dippy spouse was the husband. These, the two woman reporter for the New York times is un veiling the hideous secrets of Harvey Weinstein driven to do this, you think her husband would cut her some slack and go, you go, girl, I'm behind you 100%. You know, this is huge what you're doing. Instead, he's like, the baby went to bed late and I'm so <laughs> exhausted. Like, that, come on, man it up. <laughs> but that's how men are usually. They can't deal with yeah. They can't multitask or anything. I tell Mickey can't multitask all the time. But then in the bear, the woman is like, the guy is locked in a freaking refrigerator he, on the night of his most important opening. He's losing his mind. He does this rant. You hear it instead of saying, oh, chill out, buddy boy. <laughs> She's like, I'm so hurt. Oh my god! Well, I don't blame I don't blame her for being hurt, right? But I'm just like, I'm. She should have said something. I I think she more than yeah, what she, she said. said. I'm here. She Hello. did. She did. She did say something like, "Oh, I'm sorry you feel that way." I would have been a little more. And I'm pretty. Li- I don't. I think I'd be a little nicer. I'd be nice, but I don't know. I think she should have yelled more. Or, yeah, yell at him, but don't walk out on him. <laughs> yeah, so like, I don't know. But it's, it's overall, that was like, yeah, that was kind of like a little far-fetched. But I thought overall it was, um, I thought it was a good show. So I think that if anybody who hasn't seen it is definitely, definitely should see it. And I should say it's really funny because right, so when we were going to Oslo to see Bruce Springsteen, we weren't sure if we should go to Sweden or Copenhagen. And we, we were like, we picked Sweden. And then like, right before we're leaving, we watched the episode with Copenhagen. I'm like, Oh, Copenhagen looks kind of nice. And then somebody yesterday, um, at, uh, sometimes party was telling me that, um, Copenhagen has really good food. And, um, maybe I was like thinking, Oh, maybe I should have, maybe, maybe I should have went there instead. But yeah, I do think the bear should be, um, watched. And just before I go, um, reservation dogs started again. And I know you like to binge, but they already dropped two episodes, and I think they're dropping two more episodes um, this week. Yeah, I like to. Well, uh, I don't watch them all in one night, but I like to watch them within a week. And so I will definitely when uh, uh, wait till it's all dropped, and I'll finish. Uh, I'll just watch it all in like a week. 
Uh, and so I'm going to close the show. Uh, we're not going to be doing a show for a week because I am going to follow uh, Romana's advice and take some time off. Uh, but I'm going to take this as a hopeful sign. I already talked about Barbie. The success of Barbie, I believe, is an anti-MAGA uh, force. And that's why Ben Shapiro hates it so much and probably why Bill Maher, who's going MAGA on us, we're watching him go MAGA, hates it so much. Uh, but I also think that the bear, I'm going to uh, second what Mick Thumke said, that the bear is a sign that we're finally coming to terms with a lot of things we should have come to terms with a long time ago. And so shout out uh, all the women, Rosanna Rodriguez, who's pushing for reopening the mental health clinics. Let's hope it all comes together. This is me speaking, but I really do believe we should address these issues instead of repressing them, Romana. And uh, so thank you so much for today's show and for every other week you come on. And, thank you. Uh, I'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. Yep. All right. That's great. Romana Hussein. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. 